Amen. I was, I was thinking about going to the Pirates game today and thinking, man, this is really what happens when, like, you know, going from last to first. That's kind of what happens when Jesus comes into your life. You get to go from last to first. It's awesome. He comes and redeems and restores. So there you go. I tied in a practical baseball metaphor to justify wearing my shirt to church and my shorts. <laughs> Uh, several weeks ago, we started talking about evangelism, and, and I was just reminded, like with the passing of Marianne's mom, you know, there are, there are times in our lives that ought to stir us even more than others to think about evangelism and to make sure uh, that people know what's going to happen to them when they leave this earth. Um, there, there is something that should be burning in us to make sure uh, people that we love especially know what's going to happen. And so we started talking about evangelism. And the gospel, uh, we established that the gospel is more, as much as you know, hearing about someone passing should stir us and motivate us, the gospel is actually more than just talking about what happens to people after they die. Amen? Have, has everyone experienced this? The gospel, if all it was, was, hey, you, you're going to be okay after you leave earth. Is that really the most exciting news? We'd have the biggest evangelism ministries maybe at the hospital or the hospice. Like, hey, we're, we're going to get you on the way out because that's all that really matters. The gospel actually is meant to impact our lives now. The eternal life doesn't start after you slip into eternity on your deathbed. Eternal life is supposed to start right in the here and now. As you come to know Christ, there is a quality of life that is released into you that is more than anything to do with a time period or when you die. So the gospel is important. We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is getting people into right standing with God now. It's, it's not about later. It is the world is broken. You've been living away from God. You've been living a sinful life. You need to come back to know God now. So we need to be about that business, uh, reconciling people, restoring them to friendship and harmony with God. Uh, Jesus uh, came to the earth and died on the cross, rose again. Why did he do that? Was it just because he was lonely and wanted people with him in heaven? Why, why is that good news to us? Why, why is it good news? Like I, th- I think about introducing the people to, to Jesus. It's just like, man, you need to meet my best friend. You know, it ought to be that real and, and that tangible to us. You need to meet the one that helps me in all my weaknesses. The, the one that empowers me to live a godly life. You need to meet him. Jesus actually came and died so that he could live with us and in us and through us in this world. That was why he went to the cross. Galatians 2.20, we read it this morning in Sunday school. Uh, It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And then watch what Paul says. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Did you ever think about it that way? Jesus is using your body. He, He is actually still present walking in the earth today through you and I through the people in this room. Some, you may be looking around the people in this room saying, that doesn't look too much like Jesus. But it's true. He's walking here on the earth today through us. Uh, and it, we said it a few weeks ago. I made the statement, evangelism is most persuasive when living it. And it really is true. If, if we come to grips with what Paul said, that is Christ living his life in us? Do you know that Jesus is attractive? When, when we really let him live his life through us, that will draw people. When, when they see Christ coming out of us, popping out of every turn, every corner, the things we say, the things we do, that attracts people. 
when when we forget, when we kind of put shove Christ in the corner, we compartmentalize him, we only keep him in our Sunday box in our lives, and then we let ourselves pop out the rest of the time, you know, that sometimes repels people. We wonder, why isn't my evangelism working? Well, it's, it's because we're not letting Christ actually dwell in us and live life through us. You know, I was thinking about this because I was talking with mom uh, last week. You know, what do we ask the kids in kids' church to do sometimes? It's not, not a trick question. But what did, what did somebody ask you when you were in kids' church? Would you like to let Jesus in your heart? Anybody ever hear that? Anybody? We, we've taught that. We've said it. Isn't that funny to anybody else? If you've only let Jesus into your heart... You haven't let him into enough of you. And that, now I know we're, we're breaking it down. We're making it simple for the kids. We're giving them a picture they can understand. Like, I love you, Jesus. I want to give you my heart. But if sometimes I think as adults, that's the way we act. We've kind of stopped with, okay, Jesus, I give you my heart. But my mind, will, emotions, and my body is still for me. <laughs> and, and you can be in, in that spiritual side, and I'll embrace that. You know, some of us need to come to a place in God where we say, Lord... I'm, I'm acting like I've only ever let you in my heart. I, I need to give you everything. I need to give you my mind, will, and emotions. I need to give you my body. You know, it, it's Christ living in us is not just floating around in our head or in our spirit somewhere. I think that really means spirit, soul, and body. He wants to live in us. And that includes this flesh tent that we carry around, our skin and bones. God, all of me is you. It's, it's for you. It's yours. You bought it. Mark 12.30 talks about loving Him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So I, I just want to... I felt like God was speaking something about that this morning. That if we've only ever asked Him into our heart, let's enlarge our thinking of what do you want to do. Uh, John 14.23 actually says it this way. Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will be, obey my teachings, and my Father will love him. And what? We will come to Him and make our home with Him. When it says home, it literally means that God moves into you and lives there. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same word that the King James translates, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Mansion is the word dwelling place. There, there are many dwelling places in my Father's family. When, when we get saved, when we come to grips with, I am a sinner, that I need salvation, I need to, to know Jesus... He actually moves in. God Himself takes up residence inside of us. That I don't. I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes I think that's more weighty than we usually give credit to it in the church. God Himself, the the same God that made everything, that created the universe, that spoke, and like big fiery blobs of stars sprang into existence. That same God comes and lives right here in me. The moment I believe, the moment faith is awakened in my heart. So, uh, we said a couple weeks ago that Jesus is our model. He came to seek and save the lost. Uh, he told his disciples, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick, right? If, if Jesus is our model, you know, we, we can't just stop it. Oh, I really like Jesus' teachings. Oh, he's, he's making me a better person. I'm seeing some fruit grow in my life. Oh, the gifts of the Spirit. That's amazing. I, you know, I moved in some gifts. Do you know that Jesus, besides doing all those things, came to seek and save the lost? 
he, he was about the business of, of redeeming and reconciling people, of finding lost people. I think we said the phrase, sometimes lost people don't even know they're lost. He, he had to go and find them and bring them back to himself. And that is something that we have to embrace if we really want to embrace the whole package of Jesus. He's, he's not a buffet where we say, hey, I like the nice teachings and hey, I'm maybe even okay with some of that supernatural stuff, but I'm not really cut out for evangelism. We don't get to say that. If we are embracing Jesus and saying, God, replicate Jesus in me, then we will be seeking and saving the lost. We will be about the business of evangelism also. Uh, the goal is for people to encounter Jesus, right? Not to just close a sales deal. You know, not... not the, the vacuum cleaner guy that comes to the door and says, i got to get my quota this month. I'm doing it because I love people. And I want to see them come to know them. So uh, several weeks ago, we talked about different types of evangelism. And I made the statement I was going to share the most effective ones. And we had a couple things come up with guest ministers and things. But I'm like, you know, I told people I was going to do that. I need to do it because I said it. And it's part of what God wants us to be people of our word and have integrity. Uh, we said different types of evangelism. You know, some people preach uh, turn or burn, you know, get out of hell free. Uh, they give out tracts. They go door to door. They, they have crusades. Uh, they do servant evangelism where you paint people's fence and you fix up their house and then you get a chance to share the gospel. Uh, there is some validity to all those. Please don't poo-poo any method of evangelism. You know, there, there are people that have gotten saved through all of those types of things. Uh, but I was going to share a couple that we left off the list that I think are actually the most effective methods of evangelism. Uh, the first one I, I thought about being the most effective is sharing your story. Whose story do you know the best? I'm not sure that they... Do, do you know any story? Who's, you know your story the best, right? Why, why do we... We have this picture of like, I got to go evangelize and I'm going to tell you about these great things that Jesus did for my friend or... I heard that Jesus does this for people. You know your story the best. What did Jesus do for you? Hopefully you're in this room because he did something for you. If, if nothing else, you say, man, I was going to hell and he saved me. Here I am. You know, but I'm trusting, and, and because I know most of you, I know he's done more than that. We, we have a story to share, and you're the only one that knows your story. What if, just think about this possibility for a minute, what if there was a person that is wired in such a way that the only way they would come to faith in Christ is if you shared the details of your story? What are we going to do if we keep our mouth shut the whole time? I, I, don't, I don't think God would heap guilt and condemnation on you, I don't, but I don't know how this would feel what if you, you get to a place where, whether it's in heaven or on this side of eternity, where you realize, man, that, that person just slipped into eternity. They may not have known Christ. And you realize, my story would have opened their eyes. And that's, please don't hear, I'm not trying to say that as manipulation. Like, you better get out there and share or you're going to be guilty of letting people go. It's not that at all. But you have something worthwhile in you. If, if God, God doesn't waste anything, God doesn't do ugly things. We sang, you're beautiful. And we've been talking about it this morning. You're beautiful in every situation. No matter, he's done awesome things. Why wouldn't we tell people about it? You, you, you have good stuff in you that you can share with people. And if you're, if you're thinking, and I don't, I don't know what pastor's talking about. I don't have anything good in my life that God has done. You're believing a lie. 
And you need to ask God to help you shift your focus on what have you done in my life that I can tell others about. You know, you don't have to only share... The the church word for good stuff that God's done in your life is a testimony. We, we hear that at church, right? You don't, we don't hear that out in the world too much, do we? You don't, you don't go to work every morning and the boss says, who wants to testify today? But we do, we do that in church. That's where we hear that context. But do you know what? That simply means telling your story, saying what God has done, recounting, giving evidence for what God has done. And you don't have to... This is, this is what I don't like about it because it's been reduced to just such a church word Sometimes we get this idea in our head that the only time I can testify is when I'm in church and around church people, you know, because they people wouldn't understand. You know, what you're you're test, giving a testimony? You're you're sharing. What are you sharing? You know, it's not like that. Those are hangups that we create and and project on other people. I think if you would just open your mouth, you'd be amazed to find out how many people are excited to hear that God is real and He's doing stuff in your life. We, we don't have to keep it to just, i got to testify only in church. Now, please, this is good practice ground. When, when we have opportunities to thank God for things or to give testimonies, we ought to be open in our mouth because this, this is the safest place to do it. You know, people are here that, that know God and are going to rejoice with you when they hear good things that happen, but this isn't the only place it's supposed to happen. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I also think, how many of you have ever seen this happen? Sometimes when you hear the phrase, share your testimony, how many people have you seen that they immediately think of, oh, you got to tell somebody about when you got saved? Anybody ever hear it that way? Or, or have a concept of, oh, they've reduced it to just, this is when I got saved, this is my testimony. And so we think that's, that's all it is, is got to go out and tell people my getting saved story. Do you know that anything that God's done in your life that you talk about is a testimony? It is, it is all, you are a walking testimony of the goodness of God, starting from when you were knit together in your mother's womb to when you got saved to where you are right now in your life. It is all part of your story. It is all a testimony that you can recount. Please don't limit it to, I don't know, this, this is just the way my mind works. When somebody starts telling their testimony and all they've reduced it to is 35 years ago. God did the most wonderful thing in my life. I, I knew I was a sinner and I, I prayed and I got saved. I think sometimes people in the world are like, what's God been doing for the last 35 years? Hadn't, hadn't He done anything else? You know, because how, how much of our culture is wired to, what have you done for me lately? You know, there ought to be something about Christians that, what have what has He done for us lately? Why do we not have a testimony that's current that says, man, yes, I got saved. I started this awesome journey with God. And let me tell you what He's doing this week. Let me, let me tell you the, the most current thing. Think about this for, with me for a second. Maybe let's, let's just go there for a moment. Take a moment, close your eyes, and think about what is the most recent thing that God has done in your life. No matter how small or how big, Something good. What's the most recent? It could be that he got you out of bed and got you to church this morning. It might be that simple. But what is the most recent thing that God has done in your life that's good? Now, when you get something in your head there, this might put somebody on the spot. Look at your neighbor and tell them what it is. 
man, I hear a couple people sharing, but some people are like, you know, maybe I didn't think hard enough. I don't really have anything. Uh, <laughs> are, are you getting where I'm going with this? We, we need to be comfortable. If, if, you can't, if you can't look at your neighbor in church and say, this is how good God is. Let me tell you the most recent thing he's done in my life. How in the world are we going to do it when we go out in the world? If, if, if I can't look at somebody that loves God, was just standing here singing with me, raising her hands a minute ago, and say, man, God is so good, let me tell you. If I can't do it here, then no wonder we can't do it when we go out. And that was another one of those, uh, I, thanks for letting me say that moment. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm, I am not trying to be the beat you up preacher but it's it's just a matter of course it should be that easy like we just sat here and thought about man god thank you that you know my my kids are healthy and whole this morning they were they were really struggling and now they're they're better something like whatever it is if we can't think of something like that and just look at our neighbor here and say man god is so good let me tell you maybe start there look at your neighbor and say that like they just did say god is so good that's It's, maybe it's got to be a little bit like we we got to start simpler even like just I'll give you the first few words and then you fill in the blanks after that. You know, you start by looking at your neighbor saying, God is so good. Let me tell you. And then you're going to have to fill in the blank on your own because you know your story. You can't say God is so good. Let me tell you what he did for Pastor Chris. That doesn't give you a lot of credibility with who you're talking to. It's, oh, that's great what he did for somebody. What's he doing for you? The world still thinks God is important. The world still values spirituality, but they only value it to the extent we're willing to talk about it. If, if, if Christians, if we aren't opening our mouths to talk about how good God is, then the world is going to think, oh, it must not be important. When we share, here's what happens. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 4 says this. Uh, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about them. He says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and all your knowledge because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Do you know that when you show and tell what Christ has done in you, when you give evidence, because that's, that's what that word testimony translates to. It is producing evidence that validates something that has happened. So when you give a testimony, when you show and tell what God has done for you, it actually releases an anointing that can cause it to be established in someone else's life. Paul says, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you, it was built, it was established in you just because we released it. That's pretty powerful right there. You mean, you mean God will actually show up and do something in someone else's life if I just open my mouth and tell what he's done in mine? Pretty much. <laughs> he at least creates the atmosphere and the opportunity for that to happen. You know, people are still people. People still have to make a conscious decision of their free will and say, yes, I believe that or no, I believe that. But it creates the atmosphere. It releases the Holy Spirit anointing to do His work just by saying, here's what God's done for me. Here's the evidence of it in my life. That's pretty amazing. That ought to be amazing. Maybe I'm just, maybe you guys already knew that. I'm, 
I'm a little slow on the uptake, so I had to study and learn that. Uh, the other effective methods of evangelism, or the most effective, I think, this one ties very closely to sharing your story, uh, but I just call it relationship or friendship evangelism. And I, I almost hesitate to tack the word evangelism on the end of saying friendship, because I think we are just called to love people. We are called to build relationships with people uh, Again, not because I want to close a deal. Not because I want to say, hey, if I, if I get you into the fold, I'll look better in everybody else's eyes because I'm bringing people in. Just because we love people. That's what Jesus did. He just built relationships with people. And then when he got opportunities to say, hey, you know, let, me, let me tell you, don't, don't sin anymore. You know, I forgive your sins. Oh, you know, how does he have authority to do that? He says, oh, well, so you know I have authority. I'm going to do some other stuff too. But there's relationships that were built first. You know, it, it is counter to the culture of the world to actually care and love somebody, to build a relationship with them, a genuine, no strings attached. Because what, what does the word agape mean? That's love with no strings, right? When we actually love somebody with the same love that God has, that is a completely foreign picture to most of the people in the world. Because people in the world, how, how does it work, Miss Rose? Man, you're my friend because of what I can get from you. As long as we're both contributing to this relationship. Eh, come on, can we just be real? We see it in the neighborhood every day. It's like, hey, somebody's got money, somebody's got resource, somebody's got stuff. Everybody shows up. Man, you're my best friend today. What if we just built relationships and loved people for who they were, regardless of what they had? I think that awakens something in people. Like, at first, they're kind of standoffish. Like, what's this guy want from me? You ever meet people like that? You're you're trying to be kind. You're trying to be loving. You're extending the love of Christ to them, and they're they're still keeping you at an arm's length. Like, trying to figure out this is if this is like every other relationship in the world. What are they going to want? What are they going to take? What when I'm not looking? Are they going to steal my TV out of my house? What I don't know what it is. But the more you do that, the more people begin to realize, oh, this person loves me just because I'm me. And then that starts to give them the picture of Christ, who, I'll tell you a secret, He loved you just because you were you. Even when you was a mess. <laughs> you know, if I keep telling you guys, I'm, we ought to be really thankful that I'm not God. Because that, that whole verse about He loved us while we were still sinners. I, lo- I love people that are nice and clean and easy to get along with, but He loved us even while we were a wreck. How much should that compel us and obligate us to love people no matter what state they find themselves in? Just no strings attached. I'm going to love you. Here's, a, here's what Jesus said about it in John 13. Uh, verse 34, he told his disciples this, a new command I give you. <laughs> Why do you have to tell them it was new? Is, was it really, you know, that's, that's how, maybe that's how works oriented and twisted the, the, the old covenant was of you've got to do this and shape up and if you're not a Jew, we won't relate with you. But he actually had to tell them specifically, I'm giving you a new command right now. You know, if, don't you think, do you, you picture the disciples? you think they pulled their notebooks out of their back pocket? Like, whoa, Jesus is telling us we've got to do something. Let's write this one down. You know, what's he going to say? 
He says, love one another. I mean, we living on this side of the cross and experiencing, I don't, how foreign does it sound to us to think that Jesus would have to say, I'm giving you a new command, love each other. But that's what he told his disciples, and I think it still echoes to us today. Love one another. And he tells them this. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Huh. So the way we interact with each other, the love that we display in our lives, the relationships that we have, and the quality, it's actually a testimony to the world of our relationship with Christ. How? Come on. Does it get any easier than that? You mean to, to evangelize? I just have to love everybody else here? You're not going to send me out in the street corner with my soapbox and make me get up and start preaching to people with my megaphone? can just love people yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah please this, this done you know it's done i'm not looking for shortcuts like to excuse us from actually telling our story and opening our mouth about jesus but sometimes it really is a lot easier than we think you know we just have to to reckon it that way say man this is awesome i am going to testify to the world about how good god is just by loving everybody in this room by loving people i encounter on the street by looking for his beauty in dirty places Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's easy. You know, for, for sharing your story and for friendship, relationship type of evangelism, you know, a, a great non-threatening question to ask is, well, what do you think about Jesus? You know, if and this is not, don't throw that in when you're talking about the ball game. Okay, you know, if somebody's like, man, did you see the Pirates yesterday? Or did you see the hockey game? Whatever. Don't say, oh, yeah, I saw it. What do you think about Jesus? That's not how I mean to do that one. But if you're in the midst of a conversation, the Holy Spirit's there, and you just know, like, He's guiding it towards, wow, this person's talking about spiritual things. They're talking about life and death issues. You know, that's an open door to say something very non-threatening. Like, oh, yeah, what, what do you think about Jesus? You know, He did some stuff that would help you in that situation. And right there, you, you can gauge where people stand. You know, because they're, they're going to tell you something like, oh, well, I guess Jesus was a nice guy, or, oh, yeah, he was a wise teacher, or he, he was a prophet, you know, and Jesus, is he any different than Buddha or Muhammad? You know, they'll ant- you'll know what's going on in their life by the response to that question. And you're not, you're not cramming it down their throat. You know, it, when I say a non-threatening question, it is not like, have you accepted Jesus today or you're going to burn? That, you know, it's like, man, what do you think about Jesus? We've already got a relationship. I've shared my story. You know, the Holy Spirit's working in our midst. What do you think about Jesus? Because isn't, isn't that ultimately the key to salvation? Is, do you believe that Jesus went to the cross for you, died for your sins? The, the last uh, method of evangelism, and again, the, the list I gave a few weeks ago in these things, this is not the end-all, be-all list, but these are most of the main ones that you can think of. Uh, the last effective method of sharing uh, the gospel is power. That's what I came up with for that one. Just power evangelism. And uh, for an example of that, uh, there's many that you can draw from in Scripture. In fact, uh, I think the most common method of evangelism in the New Testament is connected to supernatural activity. Uh, But I was looking at the example of Philip. Everybody know who Philip was? Philip was a a deacon in the early church. Uh, It says 
in, in Acts 21, they went and stayed at house, his house once. It says uh, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. So he actually had a title and was known as the evan- Philip the Evangelist, even though he started out as a deacon. What's a deacon? Someone who serves, right? So, so Philip's origination in the church was, I'm waiting on tables. You know, I'm, I'm helping distribute food. I'm making sure the church is clean. Whatever you th- think of service, he was a deacon. He was serving. Yet, later in Acts, they say, Philip the evangelist. Huh. Well, well how did that happen? Well, Philip was full of the Holy Spirit. That's how that happened. Uh, but he was, please make no mistake about this, he was a servant. He was a regular guy. Like you and me sitting here in these pews. Or... Some of you are not regular guys, you're women, but you get the idea. He, he was just a regular person sitting in the pews, but he knew Jesus. He knew the Holy Spirit. And so it says uh, in Acts chapter 8, here's an amazing story. It says in verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. And then later in that chapter, in verse 12, it says, When they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You know, belief came, or at least the willingness to hear the message and believe it, came because Philip demonstrated the kingdom of God. He showed the supernatural power of God. People were getting healed. Demons were coming out. There was crazy supernatural Holy Spirit stuff happening. And what did it do? Did it repulse people? Like, oh, yeah, that church is weird. You know, stuff happens there, and they call it the Holy Spirit. Did it repulse the unbelievers? No. They're they're sitting there. They're seeing this crazy Holy Spirit stuff happening, and it says, oh, I'm going to listen to this guy because there's something happening here. There's something genuine and truthful here. The demonstration of the power of the kingdom paved the way for belief in people's lives. In fact, uh, I would go so far as to say that the Holy Spirit was present in power for almost any conversion that you read about in the New Testament. You know, people uh, on the day of Pentecost, we always think, oh, that's amazing. Peter preached this great sermon and 3,000 people got saved. Was it really that easy? Did he just get up and give a good talk? <laughs> hey, I'm a fisherman from Galilee, but let me let me give you my best uh, public speaking skills, and then 3,000 people are going to save. No, they got saved because the power of the Holy Spirit was present, because they heard all these people proclaiming the goodness of God in their own language. You know, fishermen that had never taken a class in, oh, I'm going to learn how to speak this language now and, and be this great orator. They were unlearned guys. Yet the Holy Spirit empowered them to speak in other languages and people were hearing this. That would get your attention. You know, you're you're from another country, you're there, nobody's speaking your language, and all of a sudden you hear somebody saying, Jesus is the way, He's the Word, He's the Creator. Whatever they were saying, it got their attention. The Holy Spirit was present. People would get baptized, filled with the Spirit. Uh, I think, you know, Jesus, what did He do? He would heal people. He'd cast out demons. He'd look at them and say, go and sin no more. Pretty sure there was belief that was awakened in who Jesus was 
when they encountered the miraculous power of God through Jesus. We have to be willing to take that step when we see things out of whack, whether people are sick, whether they're in bondage, whether they're oppressed. We need to be willing to take that step. Let me pray with you and watch what happens. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be healed. Let me pray. And you know what? I, I actually have a theory. I, I wish I had numbers to support it or some kind of study. I think healings happen more frequently when Christians pray for unbelievers. Now, I'm not limiting, like, God will heal you as a Christian, too. Because he, he says, believers lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We're supposed to pray for sick people. I don't know why it happens that way, but I just see time after time, people pray for unsaved people and God heals them. Why does he do that? Because he wants them to know him. When, when you take that risk to, to pray somebody and just ask the Holy Spirit to come in that moment and do something extraordinary, you know, a when they get healed, I think that's the attitude we ought to go into it with is not, oh, do, will God heal this person? You know, I don't have very high expectations. You know, I'm just going to, God, please, if you're willing. When God heals people, when you pray for them, a great question to ask him is, man, Jesus just healed you. Would you like to meet him? <laughs> he wants to come and live in you. He wants to dwell in you. He, he is the God of the whole universe, and he cared about you so much, he just healed your body. He just touched you. He just delivered oppression off of you. He gave you peace. Whatever it is that they're needing in that situation, if there's, if there's ever an easier open door to walk through, I don't know what it is. Because people have just had an encounter with God himself, and then you, all you have to do is come along and explain it. That was Jesus. Would you like to meet him? You, you could know him the same way I know him, and what we just did here you could go do for other people. Come on, is, is that any easier? He already did all the heavy lifting. You didn't have to get out all your, your topical Bibles and your study and your index. And let me tell you what the Hebrew and the Greek means and original sin and all. You just, man, Jesus just touched you. That's awesome. Would you like to know him the way I know? He did the heavy lifting. He did the work. You just come in. Whew, this is great. So again, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing, handing out tracts, having crusades painting people's houses to share the gospel. But man, when, when you tell your story, when you really love people and befriend them, when you pray for them and God shows up and does something that can't be explained any other way than this was God, this is supernatural, people get saved like crazy. <laughs> that, that is the most effective method. You don't know, there's no one else's story, nobody else can preach to your friends for you, just you. You know your story and what God's done for you. Hmm. That's, that's what I had to say about that. And I have a couple things I want to do to close. Um, the, the altar is going to be open. If, if you feel like I want to get prayer specifically for some pain in my body or some deliverance I need or I just want somebody to stand with me and, and agree, uh, that's good. The, the altar will be open to do that. In fact, uh, we've got Chris and Jolene and some of the youth are going on a, a trip next weekend. No. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Tina is going with Chris and some of the youth and uh, 
they're going to be up here at the altar time to actually get some practice in before they go on their trip next weekend to pray for people. So take advantage of that and come up and do that. Uh, But what I would like us to do right now is just stand up with me. And uh, before, when, when I talked about asking Jesus into your heart, uh, I just want us as a congregation to ask, I'm, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, but uh, you may all be already saved. You may have been saved for 50 years. You may have been saved for two days. Uh, but I'm going to just pray and say, God, you know, we give all of ourselves to you. We, we're not just going to limit it to come live in my heart, but... I'm giving you all myself, my mind, will, my emotions, my body, everything in the package. And uh, even if you've done that before, I just want you to agree with me and say that to him today. And if if you've never given Jesus any of you before, this is a great moment to do that. If this is your first time ever saying, I want to accept what Jesus did on the cross and have a relationship with him, uh, come see me after service. Just don't don't go out of this place without telling somebody, hey, that was my first time in this. Jesus met me. Um, but for the rest of us, you've been walking with Jesus five minutes, 50 years. I just want us to pray this. Just kind of reaffirm it and just tell him I'm giving you everything, okay? Now let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you right now. And I, I thank you that you are uh, a God that saves. You are the master reconciler. You are the redeemer of everything that could ever need redeemed. Uh, Lord Jesus, we, we look right now and we see what you did on the cross, and we say your, your blood was enough. Yeah, you purchased men from every tribe, nation, and time. And uh, God, even if we've accepted you into our lives before, we just say right now and, and affirm once again, we give you all of us. Uh, Lord, even as, if we're picturing our house, you know, we, didn't, we didn't want you to just move in the living room, Lord, and, and stay in there, and we'll, we'll shut the door and keep you in there. We want you to live in the whole house. And, and that's what we say once again with, with our being of who we are. Everything uh, that is at the core of me, Lord, I give to you right now. I, I just thank you that you come in and dwell in my spirit, in my mind, my will, and my emotions, in my body. Lord, I give it all to you this morning. Lord, if there's any place at all where we've held anything back from you, we just ask that you would speak to us, even even after we leave this place today, Lord. Just just work with us. Hmm. Empower us to give it all over to you, Lord. Man, I'm just I'm seeing it. It's not even like sometimes we picture that as oh, this, these horrible sinful things. You know, I haven't given in my mind because I'm you know thinking all these awful thoughts or I'm, I'm doing these sins with my body and you know sometimes it's just a matter of I've reserved final say for what happens in that area for me it doesn't have to be really sinful but it's like you know God uh, I'm afraid if I give you my body completely you'll make me do something with it I don't like you know you'll make me go to Africa on a mission trip or whatever we scarily fill in the blank with with God but it's like it's almost like a pride thing. We've we've held back the final say in our lives in those areas, and uh, I just feel like that's 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 kind of what he's getting at. I don't I don't really sense that it's like these awful, horrible, sinful things in the room this morning. But it's just like little areas of God. These these 
my heart's yours, but these thoughts are still mine. Or, you know, whatever it may be, I don't know. Uh, but Lord, we just ask that if, if there's anything in our lives like that, that you would speak to us, you would deal with us right now at this moment, and you would empower us by your Spirit to give it over to you wholly and completely. Lord, we're not, we're not trying to muster it up in our willpower and thinking, oh, if I just try harder, it'll happen better. But we know it's your Spirit that enables us to give all those things to you. And Lord, I thank you right now in this room 